Welcome to ContenderCast, a global leadership and consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now, here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for subscribing and following. It's Justin Hahnemann, the ContenderCast, shining a light on bright ideas today. In the food world, I can't even wait for you to learn all about the ultra-crunchy mushroom chips that you're about to hear about. Yum. Um, on the podcast today is Marilyn Yang. She has an amazing company called Fun Fungal Snacks. I said Fun Gal Snacks. Either way works. I'm excited about it. Marilyn, so great that you're here. Thanks, Justin. Very excited to be here. I think this is so cool. I love your branding and you've got really good pop in your um, website and I can't wait to hear about this product. Um, before we get to that, though, how about share a little bit with our audience about your background and how you got into the food industry? Cool. Yeah. And I actually just wanted to go back too. So it is both Fun Gal and Fungal Snacks, a corporate <laughs> company. And today we were we are talking about Papadelic's Crunchy Mushroom Chips, which is the first of what we hope to be actually a family of brands utilizing what we call underloved veggies. So super excited to be talking about Papadelic's. Um, actually, very interesting how we came into the product and the industry. Both my co-founder, Mike Casale, and myself come from finance backgrounds. I'm from more of a private equity investing background. He's from a VC background. But we were always those types of finance people that wanted to start their own thing. We just never came across the right idea, just never came across anything we really wanted to push forward. Uh, we are a couple as well, so we like to do for partners <laughs> in both business and in life. And so really what happened was it was during COVID. We were based in New York City. So as you can imagine, we were kind of cooped up in a small apartment, had a lot of time to think and ponder and uh, really come up with an idea, I guess. And, you know, we would just jokingly talk about business ideas all the time. But kind of what happened was we were out grocery shopping. I, you know, I got into a lot of cauliflower snacks and chickpea snacks, and it just came up very organically. Like, I mean, if they're making chips out of cauliflower, I, they better be making chips out of mushrooms right, right now. And surely. we're both huge mushroom lovers. <laughs> so, I mean, naturally, that's, you know, that should already exist. I guess that's what we thought. So we went out just to buy some mushroom chips because we figured it, it was already out there. I think what we were surprised to find is that there really wasn't much out there at all. And the stuff that was out there was unbranded, unflavored, and unexciting. Uh, there just wasn't really anything that didn't look somewhat sketchy or somewhat medicinal. So, um, But yeah, so that kind of got the creative wheels turning. I think the more we looked into it, the more excited we got. In particular, as mushroom lovers, we were already seeing this, that more and more people getting interested in mushrooms broadly so you see mushroom teas mushroom coffees mushroom supplements not to mention psychedelic mushrooms it just seems like mushrooms are kind of uh kind of percolating and maybe reaching that inflection point and so kind of once we kind of do our did our due diligence it wasn't like we thought of the idea and the next day we started the company but maybe about a month or two later i think all the signs pointed to this being the idea we've been waiting for and so we decided to pull the trigger and start the company. I guess that would have been uh, July of 2020. So been a while since then, but we only just actually launched our first product, which is Papadelic's Crunchy Mushroom Chips in April 2022. So we were kind of in R&D and whatnot for quite a while. Um, as you can imagine, setting up a supply chain and production during COVID was was quite the, the exciting sure, time no um, and challenge. Um, but yeah, so pretty much uh, up from July of 2020 until April was kind of how long it took for us to get the product out there. And now we've, our products at least been out there for about five or six months at this point. So still very early days. I love it. So uh, talk about where the name Papadelics come from. 
So I can't take full credit for it. We did use an amazing marketing and branding agency called Fresh Made. Uh, they're a boutique firm based in South Florida. We actually found them on Google. So um, it, it was Perfect. kind of one of those serendipitous things. We vetted a bunch of marketing and branding agencies and it, they just had kind of that core focus and better for you natural health food uh, that we thought was a great fit. And we kind of liked their work style as well. Um, so they did help us with the idea. They obviously gave us a few suggestions and we collectively thought about which one worked best. We liked Papadelics because at first, I mean, we were kind of surprised to learn that it actually is a real word. So right. it, it means I thought of, it might be made yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah, we, uh, we thought so too. But yeah, when we were going through the whole trademark process, we yeah. saw it, it's of the likeness of pop stars. Got it. Um, and so kind of has ties to being having been used, I guess, in the music industry or something like that. Like that um but we liked how you know it kind of kind of differentiated um the brand among others again most of the products in the space are quite medicinal or it just is kind of a mushroom chip and that's it um because it kind of brings some fun and kind of a uh, cheekiness to it as well so uh, our flavors also pop and that's another differentiator we see in our product while most of our competitive products are unflavored and so it's kind of the pop of flavor while also maybe giving a nod to the fact that when you say mushroom a lot of people maybe think psychedelics <laughs> before they think shiitake which is right. what our snacks are um and, and so it is kind of giving a cheeky nod to that and and there is kind of a further element there too where a per all proceeds or a portion of all proceeds do to support our charitable foundation, the Got Fungal it. Snacks Foundation. And we do actually support research into the use of psychedelics wow. to treat mental health. So there is kind of an indirect connection there as well, kind of um, on the whole, you know, popadelic psychedelic, I That's guess, cool. connection. But above all, it is kind of a nod to taste. I think our our flavors are out of this world. So that's really cool. And I do love the like all the font and branding is, is goes along with it. So nice job by them or, or you all. Um, talk about... So you decide you're going to launch a business. We're going to do something with mushrooms. That's great. How did you figure out like where to start? Like who, who did you go to to like bake up your first ultra crunchy mushroom chips? Yeah, actually, I think it was a lot of lucky breaks along the way. I think like most founders, I guess. Um, and again, I'm really just tapping our networks. I mean, I do a lot of personal angel investing. So I do invest in other people's startups. And there was actually a smoothie business that I had been looking at investing in personally and had been speaking to the founder for, I think, almost a year before we actually started Papadelics and Fungal Snacks. But I kept in touch with the founder, became kind of, you know, I guess, colleagues slash friends. And when we started Fungal Snacks and Papadelics, I kind of, you know, kind of right away went to her and asked her, what did you do when you first started your company? And we don't come, uh, my co-founder, Mike, and I, we don't come from CPG or the culinary world at all. So yeah, the first sure. thing we wanted to figure out was how exactly can we make this product physically because we we can't cook. And so um, we, <laughs> yes. you know, so I went I went to this one uh, founder and uh, she, uh, I guess, serendipitously introduced us to Rodeo CPG. They're a food consultancy for essentially CPG startups, um, and so they don't just do food; they also do beauty products, I believe. Um, but she had, I think, someone from Rodeo on her board. So I think the founder actually of Rodeo on her board. And so she was able to put us in touch with them. They actually were just actually developing their R&D arm. And so long story short, we ended up working with Rodeo CPG on R&D and ultimately actually supply chain management as well. But they were instrumental in helping us get going um, just in terms of actually helping us develop the product so we taste tested a ton of different types of mushrooms a ton of different iterations of our flavors and definitely couldn't have done it without their help 
Very, very cool. That's and and how long did it take? And did you know this is going to be the initial product? Like, you know what I mean? Were you did you already know it was going to be chips? And then you had you could work into the process of making something that people would eat. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we had a pretty specific vision already. We we just didn't know how to actually cook, obviously. But we we knew we wanted it to be a crunchy chip that was Got made it. with a whole mushroom. Got so we it. wanted the we wanted it to maintain the entire mushroom cap and have it be crunchy and then have really kind of tasty culinary inspired flavors that were kind of sprinkled on top, so to speak. So um, and we had a pretty good idea even of the flavors beforehand. We, of course, just didn't know how to cook it all up. Right. <laughs> I think it's amazing. So how long from um, initial concept to having something you could sample and try? It actually, I guess, thinking back, I guess it didn't take as long as maybe we would have thought. So I think we, you know, again, we started the company in July of 2020. I think by January, we we had, I think, the preliminary iterations of what our flavors and product became. Got it. And then what about packaging? Like who helped you figure out packaging? Um, like I love the colors and the designs and whatnot, but and, and how much to put in each one? Like what did that look like? Yeah, so uh, I guess in terms of the design, Freshmade did help us put together the design as well uh, for the product. Um, and, and so, yeah, they, again, they were amazing to work with us was Rodeo. Uh, but again, I think same kind of philosophy there. We wanted it to be something that really stood out on shelf. Most of the competitive products in the space broadly are very natural kind of muted colors. And so kind of having these bright um, kind of more fun colors really just made it stand out in general. And I think a big part of what we were approaching is that a bunch of people, for whatever reason, just don't like mushrooms. And so we wanted, but our product actually, it doesn't even taste that much like mushrooms. It's obviously a whole mushroom, but I think a large reason people don't like mushrooms is that there's kind of mushy in texture and ours are super crunchy, (laughs) like a Dorito pretzel. And so we wanted to visually convey that almost. And so have it be not even really look like, a mushroom product. I mean, you look at it, you, you see it's a mushroom, but it, it looks more interesting than that. So we wanted to even catch people's eyes who might not be looking for something mushroom related. So that was one part of it with the packaging. In terms of figuring out how much went into it and the sizing and everything, um, it, it's kind of as simple as you would think. We kind of, you know, tested a bunch of different, we knew we wanted a stand-up pouch. So we just tested a bunch of different types of stand-up pouches, kind of did kind of sample bags of how many mushrooms we could fit in a bag. And at least in the for our first iteration of the product, we knew we wanted four ounces worth of product in each bag. And so we were just kind of trying to match up the amount of mushrooms with the size of pouch. Got it. That's, that's great. Um, did it taste good off the bat? I mean, and how, did you try it with others to see what they thought? Or like, when did you know, okay, this is something that if we package it up, people might buy? It's kind of funny. I think both the, my co-founder Mike and myself are parameters for, I guess, a successful product or the product we wanted to move forward with is once we were satisfied with the product, I think we cut it off of our palates and our taste buds. Right. And at least so far, I think it's, um, you know, I think it's been broadly enjoyed by uh, everyone who we've heard um, from. But in, in general, we were kind of just, again, going off of our taste buds. We did try a bunch of different types of mushrooms, as I mentioned. And there were certain there were certain mushroom varieties, notably actually white button mushrooms that for whatever reason just didn't taste good <laughs> uh, with, um, you know, not taste as good anyway. I mean, they weren't horrible. Um, but I think first and foremost, that kind of was our goal. We wanted a, to make a better food that actually tasted good. So 
even if it was lower cost, even if it would be easier to source, if it didn't taste good, we just kind of threw it out. Um, and, you know, eventually we settled on shiitake mushrooms being the best thing and vacuum frying actually being the best cooking method. And that's actually a unique cooking method that's not broadly used. I wasn't definitely wasn't aware of it before we started exploring it. But sure. it's a unique cooking method that's not broadly used domestically. It is quite common in Asia. But basically what it is, it's kind of a low pressure cook. So you're cooking up lower temperatures. And so it's a much healthier way actually to cook. But it's, it results in this very unique, crunchy, dense texture, uh, which we were really looking for. And we had pretty clear ideas again of the flavor. So we have twisted chili, tripping truffle parm, which is actually a vegan parm, and raspberry and salt. And all of our flavors are vegan and gluten-free, actually, uh, which was important to us as well. Um, but we had clear ideas for what those flavors taste like. We, I, I think we even vaguely had the ideas for what the flavor names would be. Um, <laughs> it, took, it did take a few iterations to settle on, yeah, this is exactly what we had conceptualized. And did, did you always know you were going to start with three? And then wh- how are you thinking about growth? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, we always knew we wanted to start out with three. We wanted three flavors that were pretty distinct from each other, but kind of, even though we like all three, maybe different people. And we found this too, actually, now that we're out there, that people tend to gravitate to one or the other, but it's relatively an even split. So it's not like one flavor is by far the most popular. And that wasn't our goal to make one flavor more popular than others. It was just to make it so that there's something for everyone. And so we felt like three was a good number for that. For example, we wanted a spicy flavor. Not everyone likes spicy food. Um, And we want maybe more of a savory, richer, uh, vegan Parmesan flavor, but not everyone necessarily likes that either. And then we have a kind of our most, I would say, entry-level flavor, which is the red rosemary and salt. Um, that was actually inspired by Italian stuffed mushrooms. I would say it's not plain by any means, but it's our probably our most broad mainstream flavor that kind of is for everyone in some sure. ways. Sure. Um, and sure. so we wanted a flavor like that too, where it's like if you're not as too adventurous and don't want to go try something spicy or you know <laughs> right. I guess rich, you know there's something for you too. Um, and, and so we we wanted three flavors that again were distinct from each other that kind of had broad appeal when combined. Um, but yeah, we do eventually think uh, we'll roll out other flavors as well, in particular, maybe a sweet flavor at some point. All of our flavors right now are savory. Very, very cool. Um, how have you thought about route to market e-commerce or have you gotten into stores or how are you how are you um, going to market from that perspective? Yeah, we're definitely a true omni-channel modern company. So interestingly, when we first launched, we thought it would only be D2C. So we, that is still our primary portion of our business. So D2C in both Online and offline is kind of like what we like to say. So obviously online, we're on papadelics.com, we're on Amazon, uh, we're in a few other kind of online marketplaces, uh, but we also love doing in-person events and really where I think most of our kind of creative marketing strategy goes towards is doing kind of vegan vegetarian festivals, even music festivals. We actually were a sponsor of Electric Zoo, which is the electronic music dance electronic dance music festival in new york city sure um just last month and we're doing another large music event at barclays center um the event venue in new york city um and so almost trying to be like a kind of like traditionally this is what alcohol brands maybe energy drinks have done so definitely the events channel um but what we've found too is that even though we weren't focused per se on getting into brick and mortar we've had a ton of interest from independent natural food stores and so we're actually in over 12 states uh, we're not at the point where we want to target any large chains yet, but we are in, you know, again, a number of these, you know, your neighborhood 
uh, natural food stores, some kind of more niche kind of supermarkets and whatnot. And, and even some non-food stores we're going to be getting into quite soon. I can't publicize it quite yet, but we, we have some interesting non-food channels coming up. Well, that's good, that's good in terms of the uh, growth perspective. And I could easily see that, especially in this type of category. And I think it's smart to have, quite frankly, if you only had one, you'd, you'd have less opportunity to be in, get in storage versus three to begin with. Um, you mentioned earlier that you're thinking about this being a broader line of snacks. What other areas are you thinking of getting into? Yeah, I think definitely what I kind of mentioned earlier, there's a whole universe of what we call underloved veggies. So you go into the snack aisle of a grocery store, if you browse on Amazon even, you kind of see, right, there's a bunch of potato chips, there's a bunch of tortilla chips, corn chips, there's a bunch of kale chips, but there's so much more out there than just kale, potatoes, and corn. As I mean, as great as all of those things are. And so, yeah, there's, of course, mushrooms, but there's right. also other... Not the mushrooms are a vegetable, but there's all sorts of other ingredients that you can make chips into or even snacks in general into that for whatever reason, just no one's been doing it or there hasn't really been a brand championing that. So kind of like thinking of ourselves as we're, we're championing these underloved vegetables that just haven't had their time in the limelight. And we're finally kind of making them the star because even if you think about mushrooms, right, they, they're never really the star of a dish. It's right. just like, oh, I have... This amazing pasta dish, and oh, it happens and it has to have mushrooms. mushrooms. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So, we're kind of bringing all of these kind of forgotten or underloved vegetables underloved. to the forefront. <laughs> I've never yeah. heard that phrase, but I, I'm loving that. You've got a couple tag phrases here that I think are pretty sharp. I like that one. <laughs> um, I always love to ask our, oh, actually, before I get to some of your biggest lessons learned, you have a co founder. How do you guys divide up the work? Who does what? Yeah, so I think we're lucky too, because also, you know, there's the dynamic of us being a couple on top of all of that. But I think why it works for us is that we do, even though we both, between the two of us, we could individually do everything if we wanted to, we sure. have different preferences for what kind of work we like doing. And so I think it balances out really well. Um, so for example, my co-founder, Mike, he's more so the one doing a lot of the business development and sales kind of aspects of the business. So he was actually the one, for example, who was able to to get us into Electric Zoo Music Festival and very quickly get us into over 12 states and in independent natural food stores. Uh, and that in of itself, it's very time consuming. And even though I could do you know, sales if I wanted to, I wouldn't say it's my strongest suit nor where I would personally want to spend my time. Sure. Whereas on the other side, right, I, I'm, I've been uh, kind of more deep in a lot of the back end type work. So a lot of the operations supply chain. Um, kind of holistically, kind of making sure everything runs broadly. He likes to say that he's the big picture guy, but I'm the one who says, okay, sure, we want to do that, but you <laughs> right. have to do that by first right. doing A, B, C, D, and E. <laughs> and so I'm kind of the more of the executor, so to speak. And actually, there's a good analogy that we kind of discussed in the past. It's kind of like a, um, I guess, a Mark Zuckerberg, Sheryl Sandberg situation almost. <laughs> so, so yeah, I'm, I'm the Love one who makes it. things happen. But um <laughs> But yeah, I do a lot of um, kind of the the kind of the tedious things that my co-founder Mike wouldn't himself want to do as much. Like he could do it if he wanted to, but I think it works out to where what we enjoy and what we're maybe better at is kind of what we've taken over. That's great. I love that. So as I was I was heading this direction, um, I always love to ask our guests some of their biggest lessons learned in launching a brand. I mean, your early days, you're just getting out to market. You've got great brand. You're kind of on that swing up um, with potential to get into more stores and more marketplaces. But what would be two or three things you'd offer to other entrepreneurs that are listening? What would be two pieces of advice, three pieces of advice that you'd offer to them today? 
Yeah, I think the top ones are number one, don't be afraid to ask for help and definitely know what you don't know. So we knew very early on, right, that we just didn't know how to cook. So we knew right away. That was the first thing we were looking for. <laughs> we yeah, are not we, we needed to find someone <laughs> right. to help. So, I mean, you can't find a food product if you, uh, you know, yourself can't cook, but you need, you can always find someone who can help you. And even though we couldn't cook, we did have a clear idea for what our product was. So it was just, it was really a question of, we needed someone with that technical ability. And um, I think, again, we were lucky in that we were able to very quickly connect with someone in our broader network. But I think people would be surprised who they know kind of that five degree for and so, yeah, even if it's tapping into an alumni group or even asking your family, I mean, totally. you don't know who Uncle Joe might know, right? No, so, so true. I think that's so the first true. one. Yeah. And then the second one I, I would say is don't be afraid to pivot. So we had as inklings of how things might play out very early on. And we wouldn't even plan around those things, but we've shifted kind of along the way. And I think that's the beauty of startups that you're able to do that. Unlike a large company, right? You, once you're set on your ways, it's just very difficult to get out of it. And so definitely take advantage of that while you are a startup. And we definitely have. And so for example, when we first started, we didn't think that we would want to go into brick and mortar retail at all, actually. But once we found that it was actually in some ways easier, but also, we felt like it was a good way to augment our kind of online channel as well. Um, we decided to kind of start paying more resources there as well. And I think because of that, we've been able to discover some, again, some of these kind of non-traditional retail. So that brings me to my last point, too, of advice is that don't be afraid to do things that are a bit outside of I guess what others have done. So be don't be afraid to be a bit against the grain a little bit. Sure. Um, because we definitely are, I think it helps that we're not from the CPG industry to maybe see some of these things. But because of that, we, you know, a lot of times we'll you know hear from others like, oh, well, this is how things are always done in, in this industry. And it's like, well, why? <laughs> and so right. I think questions. it brings us a fresh perspective. Yeah. And in some ways, I think that's helped us a ton because we've been able to kind of, I think, get into some very unique channels that I think if we had been thinking like, oh, well, we need to go into this chain and, you know, this grocery store, that grocery store and go to this distributor, we wouldn't have gotten to where I think we're now going towards, which, um, again, it, it is quite untraditional, just like our products are a bit untraditional. And so I think it's very on brand. Yes. But I think in general, I think there's a takeaways to, you know, maybe be willing to challenge the status quo. I love that. Such good advice um, and such good energy around what you've got going here. It is fun. Um, and uh, guys, I, I'm excited to see where you take this. You've got to come back on down the road as you add other product lines and whatnot and continue to have success. Share with our audience where they can uh, find you, connect with you, buy product, etc. Yeah, so I guess the best central place to go is opadelics.com. That's P-O-P-A-D-E-L-I-C-S.com. There's a store locator on there. If you want to try to find us stores, you can order directly on papadelics.com. Um, and we are on Amazon as well. So if you are kind of an Amazon Prime shopper, you can just search Papadelics on Amazon. Uh, we're there as well. But also follow us on social media. We post a lot about the live events that we happen to be at. We are New York City based, so most of our events do tend to be New York focused, but we're kind of slowly going to be expanding that into a few other major cities. So be on the lookout. I love it. Marilyn Yang, Fun Gal Snacks and Papadelics. So great to have you with us today. Thank you for making the time. We got to have you back on down the road. Yeah, thanks again, Justin. It was great to speak to you as well. The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck and powered by Contender Brands. 
You can download additional ContenderCast episodes directly via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartMedia, YouTube, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the ContenderCast, connect with us at ContenderCast.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender.